Well, good afternoon and welcome to Fisher and Phillips Wage Hour podcast. This is a podcast that explores questions and ideas associated with employers' desire to pay their employees properly. I'm delighted to welcome Alba Aviles and Jay Glunt to our conversation today. And they are both practitioners in our firm's wage and hour practice group and are very familiar with these types of wage and hour issues. Today, we're gonna be talking about non-exempt employees and by that, I mean hourly employees in most situations and whether or not they should be paid for non-work events. When we're talking about non-work events, those are things like volunteering activities, maybe office parties, training programs, things of that nature. And we're at that point of the year where many companies are working on their budgets and trying to decide what to do next year. So this is a topic that may be coming up. So Jay, when companies are planning these sorts of events, volunteer events, training events, corporate events, what do they need to keep in mind to ensure that they're paying their employees properly under the Fair Labor Standards Act, the FLSA? It's a great question. Hey, good. And by the way, thank you so much for having us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. When I look at these issues, there are a few different code sections that come into play, and there are, and there are some Department of Labor opinion letters that give us you know, general guidance. But there's one particular code section that I like to rely on, and that it happens to be, I've got it right in front of me, 29 CFR section 785.27. And it's very, a very, very short and very practical code section. It's the code section on training. I think that section is really the most helpful to employers for all these different areas that, that you mentioned. That section lists four criteria that we need to satisfy if a training program will not be compensated. And, and, and to my experience, the Department of Labor wants to see all four of these factors met, not just one or two, but all four. So briefly, the, the four criteria we're talking about are, number one, the training should be held outside normal working hours. Number two, it should be voluntary. Actually, the way that's worded in the regulation section, it says voluntary in fact. Number three, it should be job related. And number four, no other work should be concurrently performed. Now, Jay, I think you said it should be job related. Did you mean to say that it should not be job related, this training? I did mean to say that. Hey, good. Yes. Number three should not be job related. Okay, great. So those are four factors that are probably sort of challenging for employers to accomplish at times. Uh, Alba, when you look at these, which one do you think is the most challenging for employers to comply with? Thanks, Haywood. Each scenario is so fact-specific, and it's hard to say for sure, but probably the concept of being voluntary. I think a lot of employees feel like they're being voluntold um, to do the training or other events. You know, on one hand, you have management saying it's voluntary, and then on the other, you have how the employee feels about it. So we should really think about how does it feel to the worker? Is it truly voluntary? Yeah, that that is a great question, and you've raised a good point, because I can imagine 
that if employees feel like they're sort of nicely being asked, but the real message is they're being told, then they don't really think of it as voluntary the way you or I might. So with employers who are encouraging their employees to participate in these types of company or customer-sponsored events, um, is there a way that they should try to account for whether people are participating and getting involved or is this the sort of thing we should account for in their job performance evaluations or when we're thinking about their compensation? It's probably not a good idea. If we're talking about attendance at a training program or volunteer activity as part of performance review or setting compensation, then that makes it feel like the attendance was expected or required. Uh, that, that would be used against the company um, if there was a wage and hour review or audit and again, that key issue of voluntariness comes into play. Well, yeah, very important. And, you know, I certainly know of organizations that will put on fundraisers or blood drives and things like that to try and help the community. And many times the volunteers are coming from their workforce. Jay, can you think of any ways that we could avoid issues that companies might run into when they're trying to track and determine whether their own employees are participating? What, what I like to see, of course, the organization is probably going to use some kind of a sign-in sheet. So it's the blood drive. They want to know who's been there. And that's totally separate even from other purposes for the sign-in sheet. But the organization has an interest in knowing who attended, how many people attended. But it's not so much about in giving individualized performance feedback. It's more about gauging the effectiveness of the event. Was it Did we hit the mark in terms of driving worker engagement. You know, so the assignment sheet I think works well that and that tells the organization, no, if we didn't get very many people to attend, or maybe we always seem to get the same few people, but that's it. That that maybe tells the company that, you know, they missed the mark when they were designing and planning the event. I think generally speaking, if we follow Alba's advice and just avoid bringing it up as part of an individualized performance review, we should be safe. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. What else do you see employers doing as a best practice when planning these sorts of voluntary or unpaid events? A couple things that we can keep in mind there. In addition to the to the sign-up sheet, I definitely like to see there be a form that people will sign off on, and that's going to be customized for the event. So if it's the corporate 5K, that form will look a little different than the blood drive. But typically that that form is going to stress the voluntary nature of the activity. And, and depending on the nature of the activity, it's probably going to have some kind of a waiver of claims. Now, in both of those cases, stressing the voluntary nature and also even the waiver, that's more for the practical impact than, than the legal impact. On the wage and hour side, the Department of Labor would be interested in knowing if the participant signed something indicating their understanding that it was voluntary. That's not necessarily going to win the case for you, but it's going to you know, be hugely beneficial. So that's one thing is to have a form that would stress the voluntary nature. I also just like to sort of brainstorm with clients. Let's talk about maybe paying these hourly workers for their time, especially if the event is taking place in the workplace. Maybe that could just be folded in as part of the budget, and that can be a way to kind of even things out so that people feel um, respected and 
could be a way to help drive participation in the event. So I, I like to see that as just even just brainstorming during the budget phase could be a good employee relations solution to at least consider paying the hourly workers for their time. Well, you know, again, I think that's a good idea. I'm certainly aware of companies, some that have employees that get paid pretty high wages. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll have a special different rate that they use to pay employees that's at or above the minimum wage for the time they spend on these sorts of events. So the employee gets rewarded. And at the same time, the employer can ensure that they're not running afoul of any violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. So Alba, when you get the final word today, any other thoughts you have on best practices that companies should consider? Yes. One of the key um, areas that I always like to remind our companies, employers, our clients is if participation in the event itself is not compensatory, you know, it's still possible that you have hourly workers involved with planning the event or working at the event, so to speak. And that could be checking out venues. That could be during the week, sometimes out, outside of the working hours, on weekends, or sitting at the registration table, for example, at a 5K. Those are potential risk areas. And to take the example of planning the 5K charity walk, if you have hourly employees working the registration table, that's very different than participating by being a walker. So again, um, that's an area that companies should keep in mind that there's potential risk there. Well, great. Well, Jay and Alba, thank you so much for participating today. As you've heard, there are all kinds of issues companies need to be thinking through when they have employees engaging in training to decide whether or not it's compensable. And of course, we all like to see companies and employees getting involved in charity work, but we need to be sure we're treating our employees properly in how we pay and involve them. Thank you all for participating and listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to get more information about the topics, please feel free to reach out to Jay or Alba. You should also check out our website, fisherphillips.com, and specifically there is a wage an hour page and you can sign up or subscribe for insights, which are newsletters and alerts regarding wage an hour topics. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.